I want to listen to pet parents, especially also even when I started my brand before I had a dog of my own, it really, I wanted it to be up to the customer of what is it that you want? What best serves you? What, um, I don't want to make a jacket or a product for the sake of making it. I want this to be something that you can use over and over that you turn to, that you love, that's quality, that's going to last. That's really the importance because if you can purchase something and use it over and over and over again, it's much more sustainable than you purchasing something, wearing it once, and then throwing it away. Hi, I'm Tori Mystic, and you're listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast, the only show dedicated to supporting women in all areas of the pet industry. On this episode, I am talking with Nicole Wilson of the sustainable pet accessories brand Hudson Houndstooth. We start off talking about the origin story of her brand and where the name comes from. Spoiler, her dog is not named Hudson. (laughs) Then we get more into the details of what it means to be a sustainable brand. I dusted off some of my knowledge from my old eco-fashion blog, and we got a chance to discuss the reality of being a product brand where you want people to buy your things, but you also want to be sustainable and not promote conspicuous consumption. It's a balance for sure, and I think it makes for a really great conversation that you're going to enjoy listening to. Nicole and I also touch on one of the hottest TikTok trends of the moment, which is de-influencing, basically telling people that they don't need to buy anything new and how that affects a product business. But before I hit play on this interview, I want to share some exciting news. I have a brand new quiz for you to check out. As you know, I love creating and taking online courses. Courses are a wonderful way to share your expertise with a broader audience. They give you more free time since you're not always teaching one-on-one, and they're an excellent revenue stream. Have you ever thought of creating your own online course? Take my new quiz to find out if it's the right move for your pet business. Go to wearwagrepeat.com slash course quiz to answer six quick questions and fetch your results. I hope at least some of you who are listening are inspired to create courses either for pet parents or for our fellow petpreneurs. You have a lot of knowledge to share with the world. So head over to wearwagrepeat.com slash course quiz and find out if it is time for you to create a course for your pet business. All right, now on to the interview. Nicole Wilson always had a love for fashion, but it wasn't until she spent over a decade designing in the industry that she realized the negative impact it was having on the environment. A lifelong animal lover and a proud rescue advocate, Nicole was inspired to create a sustainable business that would benefit both animals and the environment. She aimed to bring her knowledge of high-quality women's wear design to the pet industry. And in 2019, she launched Hudson Houndstooth, a small batch pet brand specializing in stylish and functional pet accessories. Her products are made with repurposed fabric sourced from the fashion industry that would otherwise go to a landfill. 
Since launching Hudson Houndstooth, Nicole has been committed to using sustainable materials and practices in her work. She believes that when it comes to our furry friends, looking good shouldn't come at the cost of being environmentally responsible. She also donates products and proceeds to local rescues to help pets in need. Hi, Nicole. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited. I always love meeting another like fashionista dog mom because that's, I feel, where my roots are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you you run Hudson Houndstooth. And before we hit record, you were telling me a little bit about the name. And so before I ask you where you're based, <laughs> why don't you tell us about the name? Because I think it'll kind of be self-explanatory. Yeah, so I actually started my brand before I had a dog. So Hudson does not represent a specific um, dog. It is actually named after the Hudson River because I started my brand. I worked in the fashion industry for a decade in uh, New York City. So, and the brand name came at a time when it was very popular to um, name your brand something NYC, like Kate Spade NYC. Um, And so it was really a way of uh, saying New York City without. um, So yeah, so and it's fun, popular dogs name. So it worked out, created a little alliteration with I love it. It's such a perfect Um, name. And your own dog is named Ollie, though. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, he came after the brand. So um, yeah, I, I uh, foster failed with him during the pandemic when I finally had taken my business full time and had the opportunity to finally um, care for a dog in the way that, you know, I felt was responsible as a do- as a pet parent. Um, so yeah, so he came he came afterwards. <laughs> had you fostered before? Before the pandemic, no, um, wasn't able to. I've always been a dog lover and an animal lover, um, which is why I created a pet brand. Um, didn't come out of nowhere, but I uh, didn't. Fashion industry is just, it's such a grueling industry to be in. You do not work a regular nine to five. You work all hours, weekends. Um, I've it's like the devil wears. Prada, oh, basically. for sure. Yeah, I've been at the <laughs> office till one o'clock in the morning before, like, and and literally been stranded from getting home and had to take an Uber because there were no trans, like, all my transportation had shut down. So, um, yeah, it it was not conducive to having a pet. So, so yeah. Ollie came at the perfect time. He is your business inspiration, your pandemic puppy, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And so I follow you on TikTok, uh, and that's how we connected to set this up. Um, so I love meeting different makers on TikTok, and there's just it seems like there are so many people creating pet products. It just gets me so excited because when I'm scrolling, I'm like, oh, I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of that before, and there's just so much to discover. Uh, and you have a, a pretty sizable following on TikTok, um, and you create a lot of videos. What I think is cool is you kind of document the process of how you design. So it's not just, here's my new product. It's, I'm working on a prototype. Here's like the sample I made. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Like, why do you think it's important to share that phase of the product and not just the finished thing? Yeah, for sure. Um, Because I think part of being sustainable is obviously creating a product that has a demand. 
Um, I don't want to just senselessly create products like fast fashion and, you know, figure out how to sell them later. That serves literally no one. Um, so I really try and have, um, I want to listen to pet parents, especially also even when I started my brand before I had a dog of my own, it really, I wanted it to be up to the customer of what is it that you want? What best serves you? What, um, I don't want to make a jacket or a product for the sake of making it. I want this to be something that you can use over and over that you turn to that you love, that's quality, that's going to last. That's really the importance because if you can purchase something and use it over and over and over again, it's much more sustainable than you purchasing something, wearing it once, and then throwing it away. <laughs> well, that's so interesting that you kind of point out the sustainability of just creating what people want rather than creating a bunch of stuff. Maybe it's using organic cotton or something like that. Like brands love to say, this is organic cotton. But if you create all this stuff and nobody actually wants that item, then it doesn't really matter what you've done because it is just going to go to waste. Um, so that's, I never really had considered that element of sustainability before. So that's interesting. Yeah. I I definitely want something. I want to create something that people are going to love and use over and over again. So that's, that's always my mission. So getting people involved and feeling like you're part of the design process with me, I feel like is fun. Um, and it also pushes me creatively too, because I'll have a you know, I'll have ideas in my head. And then based on the feedback, be like, Oh, I have to change this slightly, which is what I'm, I'm currently designing a raincoat. And that's literally what happened is I had an idea in my head of what I would want for a raincoat. And then based on everyone's feedback, I then changed the design. And now I end up loving it even more how it's turning out. So yes, I, I saw your raincoat video. And that's what kind of made me think of this. And and I think What's also neat is that when you're getting feedback from people as you're designing, everyone has different sized dogs and their dogs have different activity levels. And someone's like, well, that wouldn't work for my dog because they swim in their jacket or who knows, whatever. (laughs) Exactly. And my, I, despite the fact that, I mean, Ollie is the little tiny pipsqueak, love him, huge ears, satellite ears, but he's, he's a little guy. Um, and I've also, I mean, I foster as well and I've fostered big dogs in the past. So like, I understand that a big dog's needs are very different than a small dog sometimes, especially when it comes to apparel. And I've always really, really wanted to be inclusive, even, um, even with my accessories before, cause I haven't, you know, technically launched apparel yet. It's in the process. Um, and one of the big drawbacks or the difficulties that I've had to not launch apparel sooner has been um, sizing because there's just so many different size dogs out there. Um, A medium sized dog could be a short squat dog or it could be a long lanky dog. Um, Right. Like a corgi and a greyhound could both be medium. Yeah, exactly. Completely different dogs. Very different. So, um, but even with my bandanas, uh, I get, especially because I do a lot of um, in-person pop-ups and so many, because I normally always display the like small sizes because they're just easier to display. And so many pet parents will like walk past and they're like, oh, I can't find bandanas in my dog size. Like your bandanas will never fit. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got large sizes. I promise you, I made, I specifically worked on the sizing for these. They, they will fit 
I have yet to come across a dog too big to wear a large size. So like I have sizes for all, (laughs) even though I have a little guy, I promise you I've got big sizes. I want, I want everyone's dog to feel like they're included. I love that. Well, and and I think that is so important, especially, you know, in person where people can try it on if their dog is with them or they can just kind of see the sizing. Um, It is important to kind of, have everyone covered. Uh, and, and I'm glad that dog apparel is becoming more popular um, because, you know, I've had dogs for like 20 years. And for the first maybe 10 years of that, there was, I couldn't get anything um, to fit my labs, which aren't even that big. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like I've learned so much about like, uh, from obviously being now in the pet space of just people think like, oh, t-shirts are just a t-shirt, like why your dog doesn't need to wear a t-shirt, but there's dogs with skin issues or, um, you know, if your dog doesn't necessarily have fur, like they might get sunburned. So there's protection UV style. There's like all different reasons for apparel that serve an actual function outside of just being like a cute t-shirt for the sake of a cute t-shirt. Yeah. Not to mention like a t-shirt that might say adopt me or do not pet me or any kind of t-shirt like that too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's so many functions for apparel outside of just like you're trying to dress up your dog for the sake of dressing it up. Yes, exactly. It's so funny because um, before I started Wear Wag Repeat as like a dog blog, um, I went – I used to be – in fashion, but in Pittsburgh. So (laughs) just like lower your expectations a little bit. Um, But I used to be really into fashion um, and I did all kinds of stuff. I mean, we did a lot of local fashion shows and um, I actually went to college in London, England for a year and I studied fashion promotion there. Um, And one of our kind of assignments in that program, because it was like fashion journalism and promotion and and broadcast and PR and all the stuff. So one of the things we had to do was a, create a blog. And this was a long time ago, you guys, because <laughs> I am not 25. Um, so it was a long time ago, but a blog was kind of cutting edge back then. And uh, I created my first blog there. And then I had the idea to do an eco-fashion blog and I blogged about eco-friendly and sustainable fashion. And I went to Eco Fashion Week in Vancouver one year, which was so cool. Uh, and then it became hard to blog about eco-friendly fashion because it was like, well, it's not very eco-friendly mm-hmm. to promote people buying things. And it was just hard. Um, and I think now there's so much more options and there's other ways to make money as a content creator. But back then I was like, this is not going to work (laughs) for me. So, um, but you know, I, I did learn a lot about sustainability and I still do practice a lot of that stuff in my life. I am not, uh, I don't do any like Shein hauls (laughs) in my life. (laughs) Uh, so that's definitely not part of, um, like my consumer, profile, I guess. Um, but I think it is interesting. A lot of people are are very convinced by like greenwashing and um, like what is sustainable, what's not sustainable. So you use repurposed fabric that is saved from the landfill. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe why you don't use like 
uh, or maybe you do use organic cotton, but not brand new organic cotton or, or something like that. Um, wh- how are your fabric choices important, I guess? Yeah. So um, to me, what is already made and created and available is always going to be the most sustainable option. Um, especially, I mean, there's so many uh, consumer information about how much uh, people throw away in terms of textiles every year. But there is very little regulations in fashion. And pretty much the best estimates that they've created is that uh, the fashion industry throws away 40 times what the average person throws away. And the average person throws away like 70 pounds uh, of textiles a year. Like the, the numbers are outrageous for consumers and then multiply that by 40 and you've got maybe what the fashion industry throws away. Like it's astronomical. Um, and so not only by using what is already destined for the landfill, saving it from going to the landfill. And I think well over 50% of our textiles today are synthetics, which will are effectively plastic, which will take hundreds of years to throw away or to, to degrade. Um, So obviously you don't, you want to give that as much life, as possible, the more you can reuse that, the better. Um, and then just, I mean, even, even natural fibers, right? They take land, resources, uh, pesticides, water um, to produce just a small amount of cotton to make a single pair of jeans or a t-shirt. Uh, so, I mean, you have to, like, when you start thinking about just how much it takes for, to create virgin brand new fabric, the, that, that being able to reduce the water to, you have to dye the fabric. Um, I think the fashion industry is responsible for 20% of wastewater globally. Like, I mean, just, it's all endless, (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's pretty much why I wanted to, um, use what's already in existence to give it life. And I feel like it's fun creatively to do that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a big push for me to do. So, um, is there a fabric store that you use in the New York city area that, um, has this kind of material? Yeah. Huge, a huge one that I go to is called Fab Scrap and they're actually a nonprofit uh, located in Brooklyn, and they have a Philly location as well that they just opened not too recently. Um, but basically, they partner with companies in the fashion industry to help them recycle their unwanted uh, production waste, design waste. Um, and part of it is they resell to small indie designers like myself, um, or students, teachers, um, anyone, anyone that craft sews. Uh, you can, and if you're not local, they do have an online store as well, but yeah, I, I get a lot of my stuff from them. And so stuff could be coming from, from like name brand designers that you might, you might being a fashionista yourself, you might recognize some of the fabrics from certain brands and, uh, you could kind of make dog accessories using, I don't know, Oscar de la Renta's fabric. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, most of the fabric, I will say, generally has no 
identifying information on it, no stickers or anything to say what it is. Uh, they'll, I think they'll burn test it to kind of guess at what the fiber content is. Uh, but for the most part, like it's just I pick on what's what's great, what's what I like, what I don't like, what I think is uh, durable fabric or functional fabric, what has a print that I like. Um, I will say I have one and it's still available on my website, but I have a red um, poop bag holder and that red fabric is a coach fabric. Um, but mo- most of the time I don't I don't know what it is or where it came from. Um, but yeah, it can be anything super, super high end designer down to um, whatever, some like whatever. totally plain cotton yeah. that you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's fun. It, no, that, that's super fun. And I think it's so, you can be so creative with it as well. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's such a, uh, such a practical way of making an environmental impact because the stuff's already there. It's already created. Like you said, going out and making organic cotton fabric from scratch is so much water, the land, the uh, equipment that you have to run to process it. And like, it's just, it's a huge environmental impact. I think that's, that's a major like greenwashing thing is organic cotton because um, since they don't use pesticides on it, it actually takes more water and more energy to grow it. And there's more waste because they, because a lot of it's getting damaged by pests, perhaps. So um, it's it, it's very interesting once you – it's such a, like, conspiracy theory once you get into it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And also, if you purchase new fabric, you're then feeding into the demand for those mills to create more fabric. So it's just, like, a perpetual cycle. Um, yes. So it sort of breaks that cycle also of I'm not – but I'm not creating the demand for more fabric. Yeah, you're creating the demand for more repurposing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So in um besides repurposed fabric, what are some other ways that you practice sustainability with your brand? Yeah, so I try um to be as low waste as possible and so obviously normally in the production process, you lay out your fabric, you have your pattern pieces, you cut out your pattern pieces, sew them together and obviously in that um cutting stage, you have fabric waste because you can't it's just impossible to use every square inch of the fabric and industry standard I think is somewhere around like 15 percent um waste just gets on the cutting room floor tossed whatnot um so I actually save all my fabric scraps and I find creative uses for them I've done everything from like I create matching human scrunchies from scrap waste uh, so you can match your pup with my accessories. I've done hair bows for dogs that have uh, longer hair or even I've used them myself. They'll be in coordinating fabric so I can coordinate with a little hair bow clip. Um, they're on alligator clips instead of a scrunchie, um, especially because my hair is shorter. So scrunchies don't always work for me. Um what I've done, the lining, all of my uh, regular waste bag dispensers uh, have a lining in them. And I use the fabric scraps that I can't fit anything else to make the linings. Um, and one of our best selling products is this like little backpack. Um, and it fits both poop bags and treats and other things that you need. Um, 
And for that, for a couple of them, I actually did like a color blocked way um, so that I could use fabric scraps um, that would have otherwise gone to waste to kind of patch them together, patch them together. So some of them are like not all one same print. They're a combo of prints so that I could then further reduce the amount of waste that I was doing. So something kind of cool that comes from that is that everything, not everything is one of a kind. Some stuff you'll have like a bigger run, but everything is, you know, how many ever you make is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, these fabrics, you can't go and order more. Um, That's the whole point of it. Um, So do you feel like that kind of um, like scarcity that, you know, that word's used a lot in marketing. Um, Do you think that that encourages people to be like, I have to have this? Yeah, my friends actually recommend they were sitting there. They're like, you should do like, you know how prints like art prints have like a one out of, you know, 50. They're like, you should do that with your bandanas. It's like one out of it's a lot of times you only have like 30 or less. And like when they um, when people, you know, purchase them like that's it. I literally have no more. Once it's sold out, I can't I can't make any more. I can find maybe a similar fabric or print or whatnot, but that it'll never be the same. Um, I do think that that's been hard for me to communicate. I don't think people truly understand that I've noticed at my market. So like, I'll be like, oh, I don't have any more in that size. And they're like, okay, can I order online? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't like <laughs> limited, limited. That's it. That's all I have. That's all I ever will have. We can't. Yeah. No, some, some, I get more, some, I, some, I've literally only had one or two of or four of like, some of them are very, very limited. Um, and so my friends were, yeah, sitting there. They're like, you should do it like art prints. <laughs> um, so I love that idea. You should do that. Maybe for spring, that's that's what will happen. It'll be like a num like a this print twenty nine, and that's it. That that number represents how many are there are total. Um, but yeah, it definitely. I mean, that there is a scarcity there. Just that I'm I'm not I'm not faking any scarcity. Um, right. It really is genuine that these are, you know, special pieces. Well, and you're always coming out with something new because of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm i kind of in the process of shutting down my online store because I just tend to do too many things. And uh, <laughs> that, that was one of my problems is that, uh, it, it, you know, it was just hard to like always feel like you had to always come out with something new. But if you're working with limited run fabrics or limited availability, um, that's kind of built in there. You can't help but come out with new collections. Yeah, which is definitely fun. And I I feel like I totally got what you were saying before about um, that struggle. Like I'm obviously a business owner. I cannot stay in business if I do not sell my products, but I'm also sustainable. So I don't want to, I, I go very much back and forth of like, selling, not selling, selling, not selling, because I don't want to, you know, perpetuate the constant like need of you needing to buy products from me. I want you to buy products and use them for long term and not just constantly buy from me because you need to constant like, yeah. So it's definitely a a, a give and take for me of being like, I want you to have a quality product. I want you to buy it. I want you to love it. But I don't want you to constantly feel like you need to toss your old print and get a new one. Um, that is definitely not what I want. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it is kind of like a, like a seesaw that you're <laughs> on, like 
wait, should I do this? Should I not? Um, but that's like the perfect segue to talk about the hottest trend on TikTok, which is de-influencing. Um, it's so mainstream now that my mom sent me an article about it. Uh, so you know uh, that people are hearing about this. So de-influencing is basically people creating videos of saying, you don't need these things. Don't buy these things. Um, and so as a sustainable brand, but as a person who's trying to sell products, like how do you feel about that trend and how does that impact like a product business? Yeah, I definitely, it's definitely a struggle. I'm like going back and forth, but I definitely think it's about being super intentional. Like don't um, do your research on the product. Like I always want to make sure that I do my research, which is again, part of the reason I do bring my community in to make sure that I'm making a product that you know, that you love, that you're, you know, you want to purchase, not to purchase like senselessly. Um, but I want to make sure that I'm doing my due diligence as a brand and then also as a consumer to do, um, make sure that it's the product that you really need. Um, and not just buying into sales or, um, or, you know, anything like that so that you're buying quality products that are going to last you for years. They're going to be something that you use over and over again. Cause obviously like costs wear is really um, important. Um, those we talked earlier before recording about like Shein hauls and stuff like that, where people buy stuff and wear it once, maybe before like the trends over, whatever it is. Like that's that's not what I want. That's why I could never make it as a fashion blogger, and I that's one of the reasons why now I'm a dog <laughs> blogger. But I was like, you know, I, I had all these other fashion blogger friends and they would just get Nordstrom like shipments because they could they could earn commission on that. Uh, and it was just like always so much new stuff. Um, and, you know, sometimes maybe maybe people do share a dress that makes someone feel amazing about themselves and it does enhance their life in some way. But it that's, I think, different than just like the conspicuous consumption that goes on. Yeah. And as a, as a business owner, I also like, I go back and forth. I don't really feel comfortable with influencer marketing, which is hard because I, as a small brand, don't have a huge marketing budget. I don't have the budget to pay for ads. So it's very hard to get brand awareness. So I get where influencers come in because they have, you know, it gives you brand awareness, but I want my, uh, I want it to be authentic for me. Like I don't want to push people to needlessly get a, I don't want to give anyone a product that they don't need just to push it onto their followers. Um, I, I don't want to, I want genuine, I want people who genuinely are customers who genuinely love my product to be the ones to share it with people because they love it, not because. And so that for me is a very hard line to walk in that de-influencing space because that I, there's, you know, there's only so many ways that you can get your product and your brand name out to people. Um, but I do want it to be very organic because I I don't want, you know, that to just turn into another 
brand like that, right? Because those just sort of ways. I think I think that's why de-influencing is happening right now as kind of a backlash to, you know, like when I first started doing influencer marketing, it was very much like this is what I'm using, this is what I like. But then it just got out of hand um, with people sending free stuff and saying, can you take a picture with my thing? And it's like, I've never even used this or heard of it. Um, and so I think it got out of hand and it, and it, it lost its authenticity because it was supposed to be just like word of mouth. Like I love this thing. You'd love this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of lost that. So I, I, I feel like that's why de-influencing is happening now Yeah, and why you feel the way that you do about influencers. <laughs> But I also feel like, I mean, there's got to be an influencer's house, just like a bunch of stuff that like they don't know what to do with because they don't genuinely want those products. So then they end up giving them away or throwing them away. And then they have to push the next product. And so you've got people who were influenced who buy that product and then aren't really truly happy with it or don't really need it. And so they end up tossing it and going on to the next thing that's being pushed and influenced on. So it's just like, again, this like constant cycle of needing new that I just as a brand would like to be break free from. I want you to just have products that like you love and need and use and you don't constantly need to buy from me. No. Well, and I think you just hit on something too, that it's like everyone's buying what someone else tells them they'll like and no one thinks about what do I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and go for that. Yeah. Well, Nicole, I could just talk to you all day long. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, we've reached the end of the podcast. So um, could you please share with everyone where they can learn more about Hudson Houndstooth and see your amazing limited edition numbered artwork pieces? <laughs> yeah. So uh, definitely HudsonHoundstooth.com is where you can shop um, from and learn all about. I have a story on there and everything. Um, otherwise you can definitely, uh, be part of the journey. Definitely give me your input, um, through the design process as I'm currently trying to work on launching apparel. Um, so if you are in need for some sustainable apparel and want, uh, you know, to input and help me with the process, uh, feel free to follow me on TikTok and Instagram, both at Hudson Houndstooth. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see how your how your raincoat evolves and comes together. And thank you so much for this great conversation. I really enjoyed chatting. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode. Send me a note on Instagram at wherewagrepeat or find even more women petpreneurs to connect with in our private Facebook group called Wear Wag Repeat Labs. If you want to dig into more episodes, resources to grow your business, or find a link to something we discussed, it is all right there for you at wherewagrepeat.com. I'll see you back here next Wednesday for a fresh conversation.